Welcome to the Four Sisters Podcast, a place to get all the important advice you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not. Between the four of them, they've got about two centuries of life experience, raised seven kids, and have a whole lot of opinions about everything. First, the medical sisters. Sue's a doctor, board certified in critical care medicine, and Amy's also a doctor specializing in the lungs. Lisa's a former fashion photographer and self-described hockey mom, and Lori's an Emmy award-winning TV reporter who just started a luxury candle business. She's also the baby of the family, so she's gotta go first. Take it away, Lori, before your sisters take over. All right, welcome everyone to the second episode of the Four Sisters podcast. I'm so happy to have everybody listening because first of all, I want everyone who's listening to hear exactly what my sisters have to say. I know it's going to be super important, but also because like many of you, I'm super stressed out and just at a loss for words almost about what's happening today. And if anyone can make me feel better, it's my sisters. So welcome sisters. I want to start. So with that said, Amy is here with us today. She was not here for episode number one. And Amy is a pulmonologist. Amy wants everyone to know who doesn't know what that is, that that's a lung doctor. And Amy has been very, very busy. Hi, Amy. Hi, glad to be here. So in the last episode, Sue said that you were busy doing what they call rule out COVID patients. And sometimes I just pretend I understand when I don't, but I think that that means you had patients that you needed to rule out um, So I, with coronavirus. So I, I, I guess the main question is, what have you been doing and what's happening at work in a general sense? So that's correct. I was admitting some patients. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have had the weekend off. So I've been keeping track of what's going on on the computer, although I'm not directly taking care of anybody this weekend in the hospital. Um, I'll be back there on Monday. Um, I can tell you there were probably two of the longest admissions I've ever had because there were so many details to sort out about isolation and uh, getting the testing done. Um, So it was pretty exhausting. How, how is the testing going? Does it seem like things are getting more organized, getting more disorganized? So in my hospital, as of midnight Friday night, they went to in-house testing with a supposed eight-hour turnaround time, which is an, an incredible improvement over what we had before, which was about a four-day turnaround time. That means no test results for at least four days, and everybody has to... Uh, just wait for those results. So this could really change how we manage these patients. Waiting four to five days, you have to use PPE or personal protective equipment every time you go in the room. So when you have a patient and you're pending test results, you're burning through PPE at an astonishing speed. And we need to have that PPE for the front line and the known COVID patients to keep our healthcare workers healthy. What a great point. I had no idea I was starting to think maybe the test at some point is going to be irrelevant because people, you know, most, by the time many people have it, they won't be able to wait for the results and it will become just assumed, I guess. Well, this is what you're talking about is why self-isolation or quarantine is so important. So people have to stay home if they're sick. 
right now we can't get people the test who are not sick enough to be admitted. Once they're admitted, we can test them if they look like they might have COVID. But like Amy said, even 16 hours is a long time when every time you go in the room, you have to completely don and doff, which means put on and take off personal protective equipment. The, the protective equipment includes a mask, preferably an N95 mask, but nobody has enough of those. So people are just using surgical masks, which may or may not be adequate. They need gloves, a gown, and then a face shield or some goggles to wear. And that's the minimum. If And that's if, there is, if the patient is just sitting in the room. If a procedure is being done, they probably need further protection, like covering uh, their hair and their head and neck and every, every part of their body above you know, their cap. And now it's time for what you need to know. The kind of advice that you must act on today or else some of the sisters might not be too happy with you. All right. Well, I have, I have three points. Um, the first is about the PPE, the personal protective equipment. I would encourage anybody who has batches of protective equipment, especially N95 masks to please Donate those to your local hospital. You can call the hospital to find out how to do that, um, or uh, we will try to post something um, to help people to do that. But you really don't need a whole—you don't need boxes of N95 masks at home. Your doctors and nurses need them, and if they don't have them and they're sick, they're not going to be there to take care of you when you, if and when you get sick. Do you really think people want to get rid of their mask? I, I mean, I think people collect them and it's their security. Would they really be willing to give them away? And Do you think they need to wear them to go to the store? So I agree that it's their security, but now we're in a position where the people on the front lines, the doctors and nurses and staffs of the hospital need them more. And they can maybe keep a few on reserve at home and give the rest to those who need it, who are on the front lines. And I think if the stores helped control the crowds in the stores and spaced out the lines by six feet while you're waiting, or even better, you can wait in your car if you have a car, which is your personal containment unit, I don't think we'd have to worry so much about masks in the stores. As Amy said, the front line needs the personal protective equipment. All right, Sue, what do you want me to do with my masks? Well, you don't go out. <laughs> I know. I don't really need them. I have a, I have like a bunch. Full disclosure again, I have a candle business. So I had bought a bunch of P95s and R95s for my own protection with the, the vapors. So, uh, okay, I'll donate them. Yes. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> it was your idea. Oh, so because P's after N, it's got more protection? My understanding is yes. Okay. Maybe it's overkill. <laughs> it's overkill. No it keeps too many germs away. Okay. I have some N95s too, so yeah. I will donate them. Okay, so you've got talking point number two. Talking point number two is about denial. And I know there's a lot of criticism about, especially younger people congregating at beaches and things and how their denial is so dangerous for the rest of us. And it is, and I'm not, I don't want to minimize that. But denial does help people to cope with this whole situation, and it helps people to think, well, I'm not going to get this disease. I'll be okay. And I think everybody does kind of need a little bit of that because otherwise, you know, people can just be paralyzed by the fear 
And so there is something to be said about denial, but we still need to push on and do all the things that need to be done to help prevent further spread of this virus. I think the denial is fine if you're thinking, oh, I'm safe here in my house and everything will be okay. And then using that energy to make this time in your house be well spent. But you, denial, no. You have to face reality. Look (laughs) at Italy. We have to get ready. We're such a good balance for each other. What do you think, Lise? Speaking of the house, a friend of mine texted me a picture of an empty box that she cleaned out at home. There you go. Uh, so I wanted to talk about diet. I have noticed a lot of people are eating a lot of comfort foods, uh, including some in my own household. And those make you feel better for about two minutes while you're eating them. And then they have poten- a big potential downside. And one downside is that people don't feel as well after they eat them. And the other downside is that a lot of these foods have a lot of processed oils and uh, various foods that can be detrimental to the immune system and may cause inflammation. And so they may be harming themselves and they'd be a lot better off eating good whole foods. So, so I want to do a sister roll call. Do you eat more when you're stressed or less when you're stressed? Lisa. It varies. Um, I've actually been eating pretty well lately, except that I do have to say that this is a big opportunity for baking. Even with fresh goods, it's still baked goods. So it's very tempting and difficult to not do that, especially when somebody's birthday was the other day. I think that I means like she eats when more. she's stressed. Yeah. What about you, Lar? I stop eating when I'm stressed. I forget about food. I don't want food. I don't eat. Amy? Wait, weren't you going to give me so, some advice? Like that's not healthy, and I need to, I need to boost oh, my thin. immune system. Come on, you're you're too thin. You need to eat more. So, Amy, stress eater so, or stress so non eater? So a week ago, I did a lot of stress eating, eating foods that I would rather have not eaten, and then I stopped eating much at all, and I went down to the lowest. I went down to the a weight that I've was in in my 20s. So I'm trying to eat good, nutritious food and plenty of it because I don't really want to lose weight right now. I just want to maintain. Not too funny, but it reminds me of that scene in Devil Wears Prada where she said something like, I'm one flew away from my goal weight. (laughs) It's not funny, but I just thought I'd bring it up. All right, Sue, I know you're not happy with us if we don't follow your advice. So what you got for us today? Well, I saw this on my Facebook. The front, your front door is your own best personal protective equipment, and that's staying home. So, And if you do go outside, if you want to take the dog for the walk, you can't go with a buddy. You have to stay six feet apart. Uh, you can't uh, fraternize with other dogs. You just have to keep your distance. Today, I yelled at a neighbor through the window, and I said, you're too close unless you live together. And they were very polite, and they shouted back, we live together. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) We now go to random questions from the friends. Lori and Lisa's pals need answers. Good afternoon from Texas. This is Crystal in Texas. Thanks for your first 
podcast. I'm wondering about vaping. Just a short time ago, we had been hearing massive amounts of reports about the lung damage that vaping can cause. Will people who vape be more prone and susceptible to this virus? And why has no one been talking about that or mentioning it? Just a thought. I don't vape, but I know a bunch of young folks who do. So that's a really interesting theory. And what we know about the lungs is that putting any kind of uh, particulate matter, fumes, dusts, anything can be detrimental to the lungs and to the whole body. We know certain things like even one cigarette can paralyze the little finger-like projections in the airway and cause uh, viruses and bacteria and things to make it into the lungs more easily. We know that people who live near freeways have more heart attacks and more asthma because of those um, toxins and fumes that they're breathing in. So given all that, you know, is vaping a good idea? No. Does it make young people get worse coronavirus? We don't know that yet. But if I were a vapor, I would stop right now. Lise, you have a 17-year-old son. Are you hearing the kids act concerned about this? The kids are not concerned about anything. I have not (laughs) heard much lately, but I do know that many or most of them vape. Um, I hope and assume my son does not, and he says he doesn't, and I believe him, but apparently many, many, many of them do. Our next question um, from Maritza is about the numbers Yes, I'm concerned about the testing. Are the numbers real that we're getting by the uh, that are being published? Are we running out of tests? What's going on with the stats? Are the numbers telling us the actual story or just a hint at the story? Or what's your feeling on that? So the problem with the numbers is that we haven't had enough testing, and the testing. And the numbers are wildly inaccurate because of that. We don't really know how many people out there are positive. I think when you compare our numbers with Italy, we look like we're on track to catch up with Italy within 9 to 11 days. And that's a really scary number. That's why I feel so strongly about that. I don't mind scaring people because whatever it takes to stay at home. Are we doing more than Italy did at this point in the situation? I don't think so. Really? Amy, Amy, Uh, what do you think? That's a good question. I'm not sure about that at this point. And also around our country, different states have done different things. I mean, California... You know, all non-essential businesses are closed. That's not the same in a lot of states. So um, it's hard to say. I, I would defer that to the epidemiologists as well. This last question is about a New York Times article. Hi, this is Rob. All right, so here's my question. I have doubts about the approach that well, I guess I'm arrogant enough to have a doubts about the approach that the entire Western world is taking to this. There was a uh, op-ed from David Katz from Yale and the New York Times that made a lot of sense to me, which was 
why not do a two-pronged approach? Why couldn't you do a lockdown for people who have pre-existing conditions, lung problems, diabetes, who are 60 years old, 65 years old and up, and then get herd immunity from everybody else? That way you don't shut down the economy. And at the same time, you protect the people who are really statistically the vulnerable ones from this. Thanks. I look forward to hearing your answer. I know you guys aren't epidemiologists, but do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, and the numbers for that prediction are upwards of, it's it's in the multiple millions. Of people dying, mm-hmm. going theoretically that route. I, I don't like that plan, especially because I'm getting kind of close to the people who they, you know, shove out the door to, to get sick. I don't like that plan at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to the chicken pox party. Exactly. Did you guys go to chicken pox parties? No, but we had. No, but I. No. They were out there. But we, and we Did weren't really went afraid there to of get chicken pox. Seriously? Yeah, just to get it over with. Oh my God. But the mothers would do it so everybody would get the chicken pox and get it over with. I know when we had it as kids, it didn't seem like a very scary disease, just kind of a pain. Did you go over to somebody's house, though, to, to get it? No, but the quarantine wasn't heavy. You know, it was like, well, you should stay home. But, it, you know, part of yeah. that, too, was to get it while the kids were young so that they got it. Because if you get it when you're older, it can be a lot worse. Do you guys but remember I, when we went to Las Vegas and I got chicken pox and mom smuggled me on the airplane and put me like in a big jacket and a hat and told me not to scratch? <laughs> no. Yeah. Remember. You remember, well, Amy? I'm glad that uh, they can't Maybe. call Child Protective Services on mom anymore. She was just right. trying to, that's terrible. She was just trying to get me home. Right. <laughs> well, that's, well what's, that's what's happening with COVID. All right. Should we lighten it up a little bit now? Sure. Yeah. All right. This next section is called Hack, Track, or Flack. You get to pick one. A hack could be a cool thing that you learned or a hack you came up with. Track could be tracking down information, could be any kind of tracking of people or where, where finding out where people are in your life. Um, and flack is you have to admit that you gave somebody some flack and the sisters are going to help you make it right. Because sometimes in stressful times, we give other people, maybe family members or whomever, we give them a little flack. And sometimes we need our sisters to tell us what to do to make it right. Lisa, you're going to go first. Hack, track, or flack? Track. Okay. So my track item is, personally, I've kind of run, wound down with my hack, track, and flacks. My <laughs> what? Track? <laughs> what does that mean? Don't even explain that. What do you mean by track, though? What, what are you going to tell us? I'm All right, you got an audio problem. Sorry, but we're going to come back to you because we can't hear you. I'm going to have to go because we're going to eat soon, and I'm really, Lise. We're almost all right. I just let someone else do it. Then I I just let someone else. Sue, can you help me out here? (laughs) Are you there, Sue? Yeah, sorry. I was just checking my messages. Sue, are you going to take hack, track, or flack? I'm, I'm going to take hack. And uh, the most important one that I dealt with this weekend was uh, doing my roots. So I got a root touch-up, 
from Amazon and uh, I mixed it myself and I just touched up my roots so people wouldn't know how gray I am. Um, and then the other uh, hack would be, uh, you know, I love to get pedicures. I've been getting pedicures for a while and I kind of realized I needed to cut my toenails. So I cut my own toenails. Well, proud of you. Not that complicated, <laughs> but not that fun. All right. Aim, hack, track, so, flack. I'm choosing hack. So I started doing telemedicine with my patients this week uh, via FaceTime. And I have a lot of elderly patients who really have no idea how to use their iPhones, but it's amazing that they even have them. So I've done a lot of teaching um, and and I've also encouraged them after we're finished to reach out to their friends and family via FaceTime so that they don't feel so isolated. So I feel like I've done a double service. Awesome. So good. <laughs> you should feel good. All right, Lisa, are you going to take hack, track, or flack? All right, I'm going to do a little of both. I'll do a quick flack, which is a little tempers run high when everyone's home together for too long. So no. a good... Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. So a good idea is to just leave the room. And then I will mention the track, which I just noticed as we're trying to get supplies of, for what we need, that certain stores like auto parts and pet stores and grocery stores are still open. So for some people, that doesn't affect where they would go to the store at all. And other stores such as Marshall's and Regular shopping of anything that's not necessary is shut down. So I, apparently some of my life is unnecessary, and apparently some people's lives are hit the necessary <laughs> items on a regular basis. Are you saying the officials should reevaluate essentials versus non-essentials and maybe like put some random kind of craft stores and stuff in the essential category? No, although craft stores might be open because they might be essential. No, I'm saying that some people's lives are not affected by shutdowns of non-essential things because they don't go there anyway. Okay. I think she was Good saying point. the former. I think she was saying the former. Right, like your essential might be different from my essential. Yes. I'm saying what they call essential is some people's normal and other people's non-essential Oh, I'm, I'm just getting too confusing for me. <laughs> <laughs> and now, surprising things you learned today. Educate us all, please. Sue, what's your silver lining? I would say it's making do with a little bit less. And, you know, making a smaller pot of coffee, knowing that I throw a lot of it away. And, you know, frankly, realizing you don't need quite so much toilet paper. You don't? Oh, do you have any extra? <laughs> aim what's your silver lining uh, my silver lining is that the parking in my office building is free right now and that's huge for my patients the few who are coming in really Aww. do need to be seen so that's a really nice thing for them lise my silver lining is that i get to do a podcast with my sister hey that was gonna be mine <laughs> <laughs> them on a regular basis. and they've been texting nonstop for like two months now and it's nice to be connected wait is that a flack or a silver lining uh. <laughs> all right well my silver lining is that I get to do a podcast with my sisters and 
I love being home with my family. Thanks. All right. That concludes our second episode of the Four Sisters podcast. We're going to be back in, what, a few days, guys? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, they will. All right. And call in with questions. Thanks for listening. If you've got a question for the Four Sisters, call 786-474-6040. Once again, that's 786-474-6040. The Four Sisters are also on Instagram, Facebook, and they've got a website, foursisters.com. Use a number or the letter. They'll leave that choice up to you, foursisters.com. Keep safe, everybody.